We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. From the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Friday evening in the Kia Studios with you for the full four. Ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much, but you want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, the Alexa speakers, your tablet, your Roomba, your fax machine, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 92 on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow me on my personal Twitter page. I am at JMCH316. We have like our fourth different producer in here this week. We've got Dom DeLuise. Tonight, what's going on? So we've had Max von Sydow, we've had Dom <laughs> DeLuise, uh, Josh Hartnett was in here last night yeah. for a little bit doing a show and stuff like that. So whole um, crew of vagabonds. Yeah. So I mean, just the the, the whole line of uh, line of vagabonds and all the millennial guys and everybody else. So uh, we got Dom in here tonight, uh, pushing all the buttons and everything. Where where is Dylon, by the way? I have no idea. That's okay. that's a great question. Yeah, I'm, but it usually <laughs> is because it's like. You know, we never see him anymore, so yeah. um, why did he get promoted to oh, produce? Uh, anyway, so. All right, lots to get into with you here this evening. Um, obviously, the Hawks in the All-Star break. We will uh, we'll update what happens in the NBA Rising Stars. I guess this thing is called the Jordan Rising Stars game tonight. And, you know, like every time they do one of these things, they have to have uh, celebrity coaches, so... Uh, they got Paul Gasol. They got uh, Deron Williams. So, uh, and then Yokim um, uh, Noah has a team as well. So, uh, AJ Griffin, who's the only representative for the Atlanta Hawks at the All Star game, he is on Team Deron Williams. So, we'll see what he does uh, tonight. But uh, good for AJ Griffin. Listen, um, I, you know it's deserved, and I think he's had a pretty good season, all things considered. Um, you know, he's been able to start at times when this team has had injuries and such. And, you know, he came out of college as I think he was the number one three-point shooter uh, in America. But, you know, he's he's had a pretty good year. I mean, all things considered, like I said, I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, Nate doesn't always play a lot of his rookies a lot of minutes and the fact that he's been able to step in and do some good things, 
Uh, he has won us a game, right? Uh, who was that game against earlier in the year, like Toronto or somebody like that? It was, it was against my Chicago Bulls. Oh, okay. That yeah. that long that yeah. long pass that <laughs> that he just laid up and in. So yeah, yeah there you go. So uh, so he's won us a game. So listen, um, you know, good for him, and uh, we'll see what he does uh, here tonight. But obviously, the Hawks, um, you know, go in reeling into the break as uh, they still sit in the eighth seed and three games back of Miami and. Three, uh, half a game, uh, now half a game up on the um, Washington Wizards and a full game up on the Raptors. So that's the 9-10 seeding uh, in there. But, um, you know, uh, with the All-Star game, now we're wondering whether or not Giannis is going to play. And isn't he one of the captains? Because he's got to pick the teams, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So they're they're not picking the teams until Sunday morning, right? Now, is that are they televising that draft because they they've televised them in the past, <laughs> so I'm assuming. Absolutely. So if he doesn't pick himself to be on the roster, I think we will kind of know, right? I mean, he's one of the starters, and and yeah. if he if he has if he picks five starters <laughs> five that, aren't him, that aren't him, yeah. then we'll know that Giannis is not going to play. But he uh, sprained his wrist the other night, and his status for the All Star game uh, is in doubt about whether or not he's going to play. So. Giannis and uh, LeBron James will be picking the uh, the rosters. And, again, they're doing this thing a little bit differently. They are picking them the, the day of the game, uh, I guess, like I said, in the morning before uh, all the festivities start and things like that. So we got the NBA Rising Stars game tonight. We've got all the all-star activity, the dunk contest, which, you know, we, we joked about that. Just what a dreadful field. For the uh, dunk contest, and then of course the uh, three-point shot, which they actually got star power. Believe it or not, they actually got they actually got some stars that do the three-point shot, but certainly not for the uh, dunk contest. But um, we'll keep you up to date, and uh, we'll see what AJ Griffin does uh, here and talk about uh, his performance uh, tonight. But a good honor as uh, he's the only Hawk uh, that's in Salt Lake City to represent uh, the the Hawks organization. So we will talk to our buddy Kurt Heelan. Coming up here at 740, uh, we'll talk some Hawks and we'll go around the NBA with him and uh, lead NBA writer for NBC Sports. We are also going to, at 820, we're going to talk to Evan Mack, and he is the host of a new podcast here on our Odyssey Network, our our Odyssey 2400 podcast network. Uh, He hosts the Kicking Rocks uh, podcast. It's a wrestling podcast, so we'll have a little bit of fun with him uh, coming up at uh, 8.20, and uh, we will do rank them. So we were questioning whether or not, because uh, I, I, I had to ask Dom DeLuise if he had ever done rank them, because I can't sort one of you guys out from the other it's as far lot. as what we've done, what we <laughs> yeah. haven't done, you know, all the gimmicks and everything that are on right. the show. Are you full gimmicked in or whatever like that? But he said he has done rank them before, so I'm like, yeah. okay, well, yeah. we can – we can do it at 1040. I, and so I am, I am a made man, yeah. so to speak. So we can we can do that at 1040. And of course, we'll take your uh texts and tweets and everything else uh for it. Uh Daytona 500 coming up uh, this Sunday, the Great American Race. And um the uh pole position was uh solidified by Alex Bowman. He wins the uh, poll for the third time at the uh, Daytona 500. So uh some of the favorites. Uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, he is the odds-on favorite, plus 1,100 through Caesars. And then at plus 1,200, the next group of drivers, Ryan Blaney, uh, Joey Logano, uh, Kyle Busch, and um, 
Uh, who's the other one here? Chase Elliott uh, is the is the other one. So that's your betting odds and your betting favorites for the Daytona 500 here coming up on Sunday afternoon. Tiger Wu is uh, in danger of not making the cut. I haven't seen, as of earlier this afternoon, I have not seen if he is going to make the cut. He was one over, and they were speculating about whether or not he would sneak in at that point. But um, he is one over par, and uh, depending on what happens with the second wave of players, the top 65 and uh, ties will advance to the uh, last couple of rounds, but I have not seen any update. This was earlier this afternoon that he um, he was uh, on the fringe of whether or not he was going to make the cut uh, in his first action back. And a story that I find interesting, Manny Machado. So remember when Manny Machado signed that 10-year deal with the Padres for $300 million? 10-year, $300 million. Back in all the way back, way back in 2019, right? So that's like, what, 25 years ago? Feels like it. Yeah. So back in 2019 when he signed this deal, 10-year, $300 million. Well, he's got an opt-out after this year. And he's going to and, – and I give, him, I give him credit for this because he's already announced and told the Padres – that he's opting out after this year. So he said, quote, markets change from when I signed five years ago. It's changed tremendously. Things change and evolve as a player who's about to opt out. It's pretty good to see. How how much has the market really changed in five years? I mean, how much is the, the market? Is this about, is this looking at the idea of, okay, they're, arguably other best player Tatis isn't going to play until May or something like that. I mean, he's going to be, it's not, he's not going to be back to like Memorial day or something like that. And obviously, you know, they were, they got to the NLCS last year. They're one of the better teams. They've spent a crap ton of money to lock up their star players. Eric Hosmer's gone now. So he was one of the, kind of the, the glue guys for them, but you know, with Tatis not going to be out until, I think I think sometime in May or whatever like that, but um, but like how much has the market changed? Stanton signed for three twenty five. Um, now he's tied for the eleventh highest uh, contract after Aaron Judge uh, got three hundred sixty million dollars, uh, but he was never going to leave. I mean, you know, again, it's that that that's a crazy number. I think you know, but again, they had to do it. Uh, and Mike Trout, who's got the $426.5 million. But, um, you know, he was uh, hit 298 with 32 homers, 102 RBI, 366 on base percentage, and a 531 slugging. That's a pretty good year. Is it a $30 million a year kind of contract or whatever like that? But so, I mean, I don't know if he wants to stay in San Diego, but I give him credit because, look, you figure he's going to have a monster year this year. Like he's going to be, he's going to be focused in. He's going to take care of his body. He's going to do everything that he can to be healthy. And with the idea of Tatis not being back until again, I don't even know when it is, May or Memorial Day. Um, you know, sometime. You know, I think it's, I think it's like for almost like half the season. You figure that if he's opting out. 
and he's looking for a huge payday. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be engaged. He's going to be focused in. He's going to be all those cliches that you can come up with that he's going to be dialed in and everything. So I, I expect a monster year out of Manny Machado because this will probably be maybe his last big contract because if he signed for 10 for 300, he's probably looking for, you know, another type of 10-year deal and obviously looking for, you know, a, a pay increase in everything, you know, looking for, I, I don't know how much he's looking for, you know, I don't know how much Manny Machado is going to command um, on the marketplace, but every time we think that these baseball contracts can't get any more crazy than they, you know, start signing guys to, you know, just mammoth deals for a lot of money per year. And that the starting pitchers is where it's at, though. More than the position players, these starting pitchers that are $45, $46 million a year, that's where it's at. So maybe Machado should be able to pitch. But uh, but I give him credit. Like, he's he's been very clear, and he said he's told the organization, and he's telling the media that he's going to opt out. So he's going to leave – $150 million on the table. That's that's a pretty good risk because, obviously, look, anything can happen, right? Yes, if he's healthy and good to go and all that kind of stuff and has a big year, he'll get paid for it. What, if he, what if he destroys his knee? True. One quick update. Uh, Tatis, yes. he's going to be out for the first 20 games of okay. the next season, so he'll be back on April 20th, I oh, believe, okay. is when he'll right. be able to come back. So there you go. April 20th is when when he'll be back. So um, I didn't realize he was only going to miss 20 games this year. Yeah, he because he got suspended, and then uh, it, it was an 80-game suspension. Yeah, it was originally. a half a season. Is, yeah. is, he, he was so half he, a season's worth of suspension. So. Yeah, so he missed the the rest of right. uh, the, the last season, which was about 60 games, I guess. Okay. He's got 20 left. All right. So that's that's not too bad. So if they can hang in, and again, you know, Machado – is probably primed to have a big time year if they can hang in there. Look, they're certainly one of the favorites for you know the the National League. I mean, they've they've got a loaded, uh, stacked up roster, but uh, um, that's that's a heck of a gamble because you know, unlike the NFL, these are all guaranteed contracts. So you leave 150 million on the table. Listen, more power to you. So we'll see what that, what happens there. All right, when we get back, we talked to Grant McCulley last night. And I thought he had an interesting answer to a question about the fifth starter. I'm going to play you his clip, and then I'm going to ask the question about will these guys be happy or how will they take being potentially sent down? We'll talk about all that next. Talk some Braves baseball with you. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. Selling a little? Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, more of the John Chuckery Show. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back at it, the Chuckery Show. Hanging out at the Key Studios Friday night with you. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, apps how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. We'll talk some Hawks and uh, go around the NBA with Kurt Heelan, lead uh, NBA writer for NBCSports.com, coming up here in about 20 minutes from right now. So I want to play you. We had Grant McCulley on late in the show last night, and I I thought he had a very interesting answer to one of my questions because I asked him about the fifth starter, and not so much who's going to win it or this, that, and the other, but for the pitcher that doesn't get that fifth starter spot because if we assume – and Grant was saying this, that we're not going to go to a six-man rotation. Yes, injuries and things like that happen. You're going to need more than just five starters, right? We understand that. Things happen in life, injuries, whatever, okay? But I thought his answer to what's going to happen to, whether it's Elder, Anderson, Soroka, what's going to happen to the other guys was interesting. Let Let me let you hear what Grant had to say. I think they go start at Gwinnett because they're not a guy that you're going to you know, move to the bullpen. I know that there's, you know, some possibility, I guess, kind of hold on to one of them and kind of use them in a reserve, like in a chunk innings role, kind of like the, what they did with Spencer Strider last year. Mike Soroka has been in the big leagues, though his journey has taken quite a detour the last two years. Ian Anderson has been in the big leagues and been successful. So I still think obviously start to be going every fifth day. And if there's not an opportunity for them to do that in the big leagues, then I think they understand the long game that it can sometimes be to go and get that work done and earn that opportunity to get back up as soon as they can. Now, what's interesting is the idea of one of those guys ending up starting the year in Gwinnett. Now, look, Anderson and Soroka, every game that they've ever pitched at the major league level has been as a starter. Neither one of those guys has ever pitched in relief in the regular season. 
Neither guy has pitched in relief in the regular season. So I don't think that they are going to magically turn them into bullpen guys and stuff like that. But and and I know they're both coming back from injury and and all this and the other. But you look at Mike Soroka a few years ago, he was literally one of the top pitchers in Major League Baseball. One of the best pitchers in the National League. You know, I still say one of the mistakes that Snicker made was in that Cardinals series where he should have started Mike Soroka, who literally had the best adjusted ERA. When you adjust ERAs for ballparks, he was number one in the league, and I think he finished second or third overall in Major League Baseball or in the National League in ERA. And then Ian Anderson is a guy who you could make a case was the Braves' best pitcher in that World Series run, that he was their best starting pitcher during that year that they won the World Series. So these aren't two ham and eggers. You know, these aren't two guys who, you know, for instance, Bryce Elder. Eh, he's been up, he's been down, he's done this, you know, eh, whatever. Okay, he can start off in Gwinnett. But are either one of those guys going to be happy if they're starting off in Gwinnett? If they're if they're starting their season in Gwinnett, and I know how they're going to spin it. Oh well, you know Soroka needs more work, you know at Gwinnett, and he's coming back from injury. Or Anderson will be. Oh yeah, well he's coming back from injury, and he's got to get work and things like that. But they've had their off season. They're going to get a full spring, so there's no Fakakta, you know, shortened spring and you know, strikes or pandemics or whatever. They got they got a whole offseason of, of winter. They have a whole spring, and they're going to get ready. Are either of those guys going to be really happy about the idea of they're going to start their year off in Gwinnett? And, and I don't disagree with Grant. Listen, I this is not a matter of me disagreeing with Grant. And, and yes, things are going to happen along the course of a season. But do you expect anything to happen over the first month? Like, if, if we're talking about starters already going down in the first month, like, you're going to have bigger issues to fry than, you know, just what what who starts out in Gwinnett, right? But these are not like two guys who are just, you know, trying to make a club. Like, Anderson and Soroka are, you know, a part of a legitimate rotation when you think about it at Major League Baseball, and I'm not saying that they're going to ask for a trade or anything like that. Like I'm not, I'm not going down that route or anything like that. That that's for hot take Tommy to to get into. Okay, but it is interesting to think about that. Whoever doesn't get that spot, because look, Strider, Wright, Freed, Morton, we know those guys are locked in. We know that they're locked in and, and ready to go. But that that one spot is available. And, again, I know how they're going to spin this. Just, well, you know, Soroka's coming back from the injury, and he, he hasn't pitched at the major league level, you know, since whatever, a couple years ago. And, you know, he only pitched a little bit at Rome and all this, that, and the other. And he's got to get stretched out and and all that stuff. I mean, it's one thing that if those guys are coming up in like June or July or whatever like that, 
But if they're not going with the six-man rotation, and, and look, it's a good problem to have, right? If you're the Atlanta Braves, it's a good problem to have that you quote-unquote have too much starting pitching, sort of. Eh. You know, yes, in theory, it's a good problem to have. In reality or practicality, is it a good thing? And again, look, I think I think that uh, Grant said, I think, what was it? The, the Braves had, I, I forget how many guys last year that, that he, that, he was talking about how how many starting pitchers that they had last year that they that they had to go through, and it, it was certainly you know maybe a unique year for everything. Um, they had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You know what? Fourteen starting pitchers last year, and yeah, that's always going to happen. And look, there are times when you. You know, because of the way the schedule works, you go to a six-man kind of rotation, right? It's a de facto six-man. It's not a legitimate six-man rotation, but it's kind of a de facto because whether it's a doubleheader or games pile up or, you know, there there were times last year in the schedule, and again, this was that crazy schedule. Remember they started off with 14 games in a row that that they that every team had to play like 14 straight games. And then there was another stretch where I think during the middle of the season that they played like another 14 days in a row. And it was, I think it was, I think it was during a West coast road trip and this, that, and the other. So you're going to get some fatigue. And you know, when, when, when guys are pumping it out and guys don't really get a day off, but that affects your bullpen a lot more than your starting pitching. But the Braves rolled through several pitchers, whether it was out of necessity, whether it's because of injury, whether it's because of the schedule and things like that. But it is, in theory, a good problem to have that if Mike Soroka or Ian Anderson have to start off in Gwinnett, you know that you know you can break glass in case of emergency and, and you've got an instant guy who, you know, if if either one of those guys gets back to form, and certainly for Ian Anderson, you know, he he went down and and didn't pitch really or you know, he didn't pitch really well here at the major league level. Had a five ERA, was ten and six on the season, uh, ninety-seven strikeouts and hundred and eleven, you know, innings pitch. And he walked too many guys. Like the fifty-four walks in hundred and eleven innings was his real downfall this year or, or last year. So again, it's a good problem to have, but are those guys going to be thrilled about the idea of starting off their year in Gwinnett? There may be a little bit of a sales pitch and things like that. May have may have to figure out a way to sell them on on that idea, you know. And for you know a franchise that look, their starting rotation is I don't know where it ranks in baseball. Um, is it the best in the division? No, because I think the Mets have that, right? I mean, with Verlander and Scherzer, you know, when you have those top two guys, you have the best starting rotation in that in that division. But certainly, and think about, too, if, you know, they were going to make a move, because Grant and I talked about this, too. You know, there was a deal on the table to have Patrick Corbin for uh, Marcelo Zuna 
that that was speculated and was on the table that was going to happen potentially last year. What would you have done with Patrick Corbin? I mean, he's he's owed like I think he's owed like fifty seven million dollars or something like that. Like I think his contract is even higher than Marcelo Zuna. Would you have pitched him? I mean, he's the worst starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, and and I don't think there. I think with with his service time and everything, you'd have been stuck with him either at the Major League level or have to DFA him. But it's going to be interesting to see not just who wins this battle for the fifth starter, who 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 gets themselves, you know, on this club, but what's going to happen with with these other guys? And, and I wonder if they will. I wonder if they will make a move to bring one of those guys back up rather quickly. If if they won't, you know, it, it, let's say let's say Ian Anderson goes down. He's in Gwinnett. Let's say Soroka finds his way to the fifth starter spot, and Ian Anderson is tearing it up at Gwinnett. How long are you going to leave him down there? Is that going to be the old, uh, oh, my arm's broken, you know? Like somebody's somebody's going to be like, ooh, my arm. You know, the Rodney, you know? Oh, my arm, my arm, I think it's broken. You know, one of those kinds of deals, especially if somebody's not, especially if somebody's not pitching up to form whether it's Strider or Wright. And again, I, you know, look, Kyle Wright had a, a, a monster year at 21 and five and a three, one, nine ERA. He was outstanding last year. Can he replicate a season like that? Can, can he do the same thing? But again, if Soroka gets back to form, you know, think about, think about the guys that you have. Think about, think about the guys that you have. You have one of the best young pitchers in all of major league baseball. You still have a savvy veteran, you know, in Charlie Morton. And, yes, he gave up his most home runs, I believe, of his career last year. But he still had 205 strikeouts in 172 innings. Still was a 200-strikeout pitcher in 172 innings. His ERA wasn't kind of worth a crap. And he only won nine games last year. So could he be a casualty or something? You know, all of a sudden, you know, he ends up on – on the IL or whatever, and like, oh, you know, oh, my arm's kind of stiff and sore and things like that. And then, then you bring up either Soroka or Anderson. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, not just with that fifth starter, but where the, I don't want to say the loser of that competition ends up when it's all said and done, but the guy who doesn't get that job seeing where they are. All right, when we get back, we will talk to Kurt Heelan. We'll talk some NBA and some Atlanta Hawks with the uh, lead NBA writer for NBC Sports. Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. If you don't have an opinion, he'll give you one. He's blunt. <laughs> it's the John Chuckery Show on Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Radio, 92 Radio, 9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Friday evening as we are in the All-Star break. Of course, Futures game, a Rising Stars game uh, coming up uh, tonight. And uh, A.J. Griffin going to be a part of that. The only Hawk that's going to be a part of all of that. Let's talk some NBA. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Kurt Heelan. He is the lead NBA writer, managing editor at NBC Sports. Dot com and he is on Twitter at Basketball Talk. As always, Kurt, 
Appreciate it, man, and uh, happy All-Star Weekend to you. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm out, I am out here in Salt Lake City where it's it's not as cold as I thought it would be, so it's, it's all good. Uh, no snow or anything out there? I mean... There's, there, there's definitely snow in the mountains. There's a, I, I'm, a, I'm like, oh, this flight is full. There's a lot of people going out to All-Star Game. I'm like, no, man, they're just going out to ski. Like, <laughs> everybody on the flight was coming up to ski. There's snow in the mountains, but it's not bad in the city. Well, uh, when we talk about disappointing teams, Kurt, uh, the Hawks, you know, for at least us Hawks fans are, are right there in that list. But give me from a national perspective, if you were to rank or just categorize how disappointing this Hawks season has been, where does it rank among teams or whatever across the league? How, how disappointing have they been from a national perspective? Yeah, I think that they would be near the top of that list. They, they wouldn't be alone, but they, they, they obviously, and you guys know this, and I don't think it was just the fans. This was internal. They thought with the addition of DeJounte Murray and everything that was going to be going on there, that this was going to be a, top-tier playoff team. If, if not a contender, at least somebody who was a, a top-four seed and hosting around, and they were ready to take a step forward, and that obviously has not been the case. Um, so, yeah, they, it's disappointing, and it's, it's a rough step back because now you've got to figure out what it is that what it is going to take to get where you want to go because, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that far away with this roster, but yet that's not what it looks like on the court right now. You know, Kurt, I mean, you and I have talked specifically about the idea that Nate McMillan is most likely not going to be back next year. And, look, it's another trade deadline where they didn't trade John Collins and some things like that. But if it doesn't go well this year, and and listen, just even making the play-in tournament isn't going to be enough, I, I think. But if it doesn't go well next year, short of Trey Young, Murray, you know, maybe Hunter, are they going to try to blow this thing up? I mean, you know, at some point, do you have to hit the reset button? You know, it, it's not worked out for a couple of years now, but do they have to have a different approach to what this roster is? Yeah, I think so. I Look, I think with the new GM, with Landry Fields in there, you've got to give him a summer to implant, you know, work his vision of what he wants. That's going to mean hiring his coach, like you said, um, tweaking – everything around Murray and and uh, Trey Young, obviously, and and see what it looks like next year. But if next year's, like you said, if next year's a real struggle, then then it's time to take that step back and decide exactly how you're going to do this going forward. Is this a Trey Young team or is Trey Young not the guy and maybe we need to look a different direction? I mean, there's a lot of questions, you know, questions there are we building right around Trey Young if he is going to be our our guy there's a lot of questions there to answer but I don't you know I like you said I think that Landry's got to get one summer to answer those before you get to the to to the really hard ones lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com Kurt Heelan joining us on the waitfor.com hotline well then this brings up a question though is is Tony Ressler really running the team or is Landry Fields going to be in charge of making those decisions? Because look, I, I fully believe that Tony Ressler is the driving force behind why they're not in the luxury tax. And again, we can have the debate about whether it makes sense or not makes sense, but I just, I get the sense that moving on from Travis Schlenk, not going in the luxury tax, there are things about Tony Ressler that lead me to believe that, 
you know, he's really calling the shots. And, of course, we heard the story about, you know, Nick Ressler, his son. So are they going to give Landry Fields, you know, kind of the openness to be able to do what he's got to do? That's a really good question. That I mean, I think that that gets at the heart of it. And it's it's not a question I, I can answer easily from the outside. And I, it's, it's, you know, how much freedom does he have? Does Ken – I, I think with like most owners, what he'll say is, "I'm willing to go over the tax line if we're competitive, if we're in the mix for a title, you know, if we're in the mix for a title." But you're coming up on some tough numbers with just the way this, the, with the way this roster is constructed, where they're going to have to make some, they're going to have to make some decisions about that, and maybe lean into the tax a little bit just to get, uh, to get. I guess the other question that comes with that is just with the new CBA, I think a lot of teams are holding off waiting right now. They want to see what the new CBA is going to look like, what that's going to mean in terms of tax, what it's going to mean in terms of revenue split. And then, you know, the new TV deal will come in after that. But there's a lot of teams kind of on hold, like, well, what's that number going to be? What are the tax penalties going to look like? How severe are they before they jump in? Kurt, uh, let's bounce around the league a little bit. Um, The Hawks were involved in a four-team trade that, one of the participants, Gary Payton Jr., going back to the from the Portland Trailblazers back to the Golden State Warriors. Medical reports said that he could be injured for as much as three months. What is the league, do you think, going to do about this? this? This whole thing is, in a kind word, a debacle that happened, yeah. and, it, and it held up four teams from being able to make a move. What does the league do in a situation like this? How deep are they going to investigate what Portland did release or the information that was given to Golden State because I don't know how this can happen like I don't I don't in my mind I can't wrap my arms around how all of this could go down yeah I and I think it's going to be interesting because this is not the first team to suggest that the Portland Trailblazers were not fully forthcoming with a player that was coming over to them and there's there's degrees here between, you know, like not, there's one thing to turn over the medical reports and another to say, you know, Hey, we've been giving him a painkiller and kind of getting him to play through this for a while. Like there seems to be something there. And I, I wish I had a good answer for that. Like what that league, but the league has to investigate that the league has to keep these deals. If you're going to be a transaction league, like the NBA is short contracts, player movement and fans seem to eat the, not seem to fans eat that, that kind of thing up. Then you have to make it fair to the teams involved. And like I said, this is just, I'm curious if there's a fine coming, if there's a suspension coming, or if there's, you know, you lose a second round pick or something coming as a punishment, because this isn't the first team to say that they felt like just that they weren't, like I said, that it just wasn't forthcoming, that they didn't really know what was going on. So they had him in house and got him in the physical. And in the end, they went through with it anyway, because, to be honest with you, they wanted rid of James Wiseman yeah, that badly, yeah. but um, but it's not. Um, it's going to give teams pause when they're doing business with Portland for a bit. Lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com, Kurt Heelan, joining us on the WaitFor.com hotline. How big of a favorite do you think the Suns are now in winning the NBA title? Um, obviously, with the Durant move, I mean it changes the complexion of the entire league. How big of favorites yeah. do you think that they are now? I don't. I don't think they're big. Fa- I don't think. Well, first off, I don't think they're favorites. I would still pick Boston and Milwaukee 
maybe Philly over them. Um, I'm, I'm not completely sold. I've got, look, on paper, they're the best team in the West and, and a contender. But I've got questions. I just need to see it. I need to see them stay healthy, including Chris Paul. And look, Booker has missed time this year. Obviously, Durant's missing time. Fluke injury, but missing time. Um, I need to see them defend. And what I really need to see, John, is on a championship team, if you're not Kevin Durant in this case, you're going to have to, and maybe Booker to a little degree, you're going to have to sacrifice. Booker's going to have to sacrifice some touches to Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul's, I think, the kind of guy willing to make sacrifices. But is DeAndre Ayton? Is DeAndre Ayton going to be happy setting picks and rolling to the rim and not getting some post touches and just being asked to defend and rebound? And you can kind of go down the roster from there. Are these guys ready to make the sacrifices you need to make as a championship team? And sometimes that takes a little it took Miami a year. It took Dwayne Wade a year, you know, and Chris Bosh some time to figure out what they were going to do with LeBron. I think that that could be the case here. They might be more dangerous next season than this season. So I talked about this last night on my show uh, <laughs> about Durant's comments at the press conference and, and all that stuff. You know, obviously Durant's a two-time NBA champion, but not as, you know, not as the lead or, or, or at least, let's say, the face of the franchise. Yeah. It didn't work out in Brooklyn. It didn't work out in Oklahoma City. He did win his two titles, but we'll always look at that team as Steph's team and, and Clay and Draymond and, and guys like that. And not that he was just along for the ride. He was a key cog in all of that. But if he doesn't win in Phoenix with a really loaded roster, what does it say about the legacy of Kevin Durant? Like, where does all of that fall, do you think, if if he's not able to get it done in Phoenix coming off of what was going to be the the latest super team in Brooklyn with guys. It just seems like, you know, it's, he's one of the best offensive players in the history of the game, but is he a real leader of a franchise? I think that that's what he needs, what he went to Brooklyn to do and didn't. And I think is on him now, even though I think there's better support in this case. um, Well, first off, there's no Kyrie Irving. So, that should help with team chemistry, you know, guys showing up every night and all that. Um, but look, Chris Paul is a great leader, and Monty, they have a fantastic coach in Monty Williams, right? Like, um, who's who's a leader? I think that that helps in this case. But if it fails, yeah, I think that that's the is that the thing that keeps Kevin Durant from being? Well, put this way, he's going to finish in the top twenty all-time players easily but is that the thing that keeps him at i don't know let's pick a random number 12 or 15 instead of seven like you know or wherever you're going to rank these guys it could be but if he but if he can lead a team because the guys at the very tops you know the 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 jordans and the lebrons and the magics and the koreans or whatever bill russell's they were the man on those teams and i think that's the thing still sort of lacking like you like you said i think that is the one thing lacking for this resume Last question. Um, if Boston and Milwaukee hook up in the playoffs, I don't know that there could be a better series to watch. I mean, the way Milwaukee's playing right now and, you know, Middleton's back and he's healthy and holiday. And then obviously, you know, Boston's just as, as deep as anybody, you know, in the NBA. I mean, it's that series, if they hook up in the playoffs, I think that's going to be one of the all-timers. 
Yeah, that Eastern Conference Finals, which is what it would be, I think, to, to me, that's that's this NBA Finals in some ways because I just don't think the teams in the West, even even if maybe maybe if Phoenix gets it all together, but I don't think it's going to come together that to that level fast enough. I think that that's your NBA Finals, and I'm with you. I think that that is an epic, uh, two really good defensive teams, uh, two teams that know each other. Two teams with really tough matchups in Tatum and, and, and on Tentacupo. I know so much is going to fall on on Jalen Brown and Chris Middleton. It's, it's, it is just a fascinating series up and down. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. Follow him on his Twitter page at Basketball Talk. He's the lead NBA writer and managing editor for NBCSports.com. Kurt Heelan joined us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Kurt, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes. Have fun uh, with the, all the all-star activities. I will. I, I yeah. It's it's it is always a fun weekend, and it's always kind of you know just as a media guy, sometimes it's fun to see the people you text with and talk to online, <laughs> and actually get to see them in person and have a drink. It's always kind of fun. Well, appreciate it, Kurt. Uh, as always, uh, John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio ninety two nine The Game, the Odyssey dot com app. <laughs> We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.